Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. To fully understand what's happening right now with the ongoing labor dispute in Major League Baseball, it helps to have a little understanding of the brittle history between the owners and the players' union. The current labor stoppage is the first in more than a quarter century, and it's different in a lot of ways, but it's also very much the same. This week, we're joined by Tom Hardricourt, the veteran sports writer from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who's covered the Brewers and baseball's labor issues for more than three and a half decades. Tom has some valuable insight on how things worked and didn't work the last time the game got dragged through this mess. And we aren't the only ones concerned about Rockies owner Dick Monfort having a leading role in the labor talks. We talk all about the lockout, when it might end, and who might be key in ending it on this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. So keep it right here. First pitch is coming up right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. Very pleased to be joined tonight by Tom Harbercourt, the uh, longtime, uh, three decades uh, or more, covering the Milwaukee Brewers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, has, the, has had the great pleasure of covering Hall of Famers like Paul Mulder and Robin Yount and got characters like Pete Vukovic and Gorman Thomas and you know Harvey Keene, guys like that, and even squeezed me in there for a little bit back in the day, a <laughs> long time ago. But, Tom, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate having you. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you inviting me. Um, well, you are a veteran of um, labor negotiations coverage, um, and things are so different now. I, I wanted to use this at this time to kind of educate Rockies fans on – what's going on in this process and it's a lot different than it was when you and i were involved in it back in the day uh we didn't have digital stuff we didn't have you know internet we didn't have to worry about mlb.com shelving their writers and all that business um but but the stuff is still the same and um but before we get to that i have to ask you one question rockies fans are dying to know this i have to ask you one question i saw your hall of fame ballot no todd hilton explain they'll get my vote next year oh you're gonna continue to vote good I, I want it. You, you know, I'm a big hall guy, Mark. If you look right. at me too, me too. I always make my ballots public and it's always 10 guys. Yep. yep. Always 10 guys. You know, I uh, took one last run at the so-called steroid bunch. Right. Uh, but, you know, I would have been 
I've I've waffled on that myself. I originally didn't vote for him, then I did. Um, I think we have PED guys in the Hall of Fame. Yes, so, we do. Um, I I just decided to start voting on merit only. Um, but I'm glad that Todd is on the ballot. You know that five percent thing um, worries you at times. Yes. You don't percent, you come yes. off. Yes, Kenny Lofton. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And Ted, Ted, the great Ted Simmons. Yes. You know, right. He finally got in on the Veterans Committee, but he fell off his first year. I know. Crazy. It's crazy. You know, I, I don't I, I wish we had no rules on right. percentage or maximum number. If I would have voted, if they would say maximum number, you know, whatever you want. Pelton's on my ballot. Yeah. Well, we're, we're pretty confident he's going to get in, but I would, we just get fussy yeah. when when he doesn't. You get know, I've got um, I, I've um, it's never too old to become educated. And yeah, I, I talked to people who told me, Hey, Tom, you ought to be voting for Angie Jones. Hey, yep. Tom, you ought to be voting for Scott Rowland. Yep. Hey, Tom, you ought to be voting for um, Wagner, you know. Yep. Yes, and, and and I did the same thing with Larry Walker. You know, I didn't originally, and people said, Hey, Tom, you, you know, you so get this information. Yeah, it's okay to learn, it's yep. okay. To you know what um you have those ba- i've had a ballot you know you got to be you got to put 10 years in to get your first ballot right well, i've put 36 years in right. so i've had a ballot for a long time but i um i you know it's so hard to get into cooperstown I know. Uh, way too hard actually and, and and that's good but it's also bad right i totally agree because you know i, I always laugh at the <laughs> football hall of fame because you know like 10 guys stand up there with those 21 jackets on and uh, i i think basketball is worse i honestly do i think basketball i mean every single former eligible mvp is in if you're in the mvp yeah. you're in. I, I mean right. around here we had to kemi matumbo as a denver nugget for a number of years and the guy's done some miraculous things off off the court after his after his career was over but he wasn't a hall of fame basketball player right so right. they let but anybody I, I basketball think, uh, yeah, I, I think Todd will get in. I, I do. I, and uh, I've always thought uh, you should not, it's not a fraternity. You shouldn't have to pledge it. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're right. not. So, yeah. well, anyway, so we'll keep our fingers. I'm glad you're going to Anyway, that's, a, that's, you know, the PED things have made that hard. Yes, it has. I, and yeah. I, I sympathize with the writers who don't want to make the news. They're supposed to cover the news. I get all that. I even sympathize right. with the New York Times decision not to let their guys vote. I, I get that. I understand it. Maybe a selection yeah. committee is a better option than having the writers yeah. forced to do this. But well, that's and that's up to the Hall of Fame because the Hopefully reason the writers the reason the writers vote is because the Hall of Fame, Fame tasked them. Yep, yeah. I know. So they can change it at any time. I know. Maybe they will. We'll see what happens. But let's get back to the topic at hand, which is the lockout, which I think won't really be getting national coverage until the Super Bowl is over and people start looking at that yeah. and saying, "Oh, yeah," you know, because. Obviously, when you and I are involved in this, uh, as I mentioned, there was no internet, there was no this, but a lot more stuff was going on, a lot more uh, in the media. There was a lot more discussion. It seems they kept this pretty quiet so far, yeah. possibly by design yeah. and possibly just because. Um, but you've been covering it, obviously. Um, why is that, do you think? Why do you think this, they've done such a good job of keeping this in-house so far? Yeah. Well, I, I'm one of the few guys that has been around long enough to have covered the last work stop. Yep. Mm-hmm. 94, 95. Um, that was terrible. Yes. Terrible. You know, we lost the World Series. Uh, replacement baseball was the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I think I could have made some of those teams because uh, back then I was young. Um, but uh, but but then we had 
26 years right. with it. And boy, was that great. Yep. And did the game grow? And boy, did a bunch of good stuff happen. And so I, I hated to see that end. And I think if Bud Selig was still commissioner, I'm not sure that we would have it because he he got such <laughs> distaste for it in 94, 95 that he didn't want it to ever you happen. Know, I, I'm glad you bring that up. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you on because of your relationship with Bud Seeley and Paul Molitor, who was an integral part of the negotiations as a player on the opposite side. Right. The two of them were friends, our friends. Right. And yes. yet they sat on opposite sides of the table. And I want to get to that in a minute. But um, you brought up a good point about Bud. I, I, I wrote this after he retired. And I don't know why people, I, I got such tremendous backlash. I think he's the best commissioner baseball's ever had. I mean, it's not uh, a high bar to clear, you right? Can make, you can make a case. You can for, certainly make that case, can't you? You can make that case. You know, people want to say, oh, he had steroids. People don't understand that um, the drug policy was collectively barred. Right. right. People said, why didn't Bud just, you know, why didn't he have a drug program? He couldn't implement nope. one. Nope. The union, the union fought him for years. I think Marvin Miller, in one of the last things he said before he died was, we would have never peed in a in a jar when I was the yeah, run yeah the union. you're right. Well, they fought him for years on that, but but after '94 '95, Bud saw the damage that it did to the game, and it was terrible. Um, and and he was determined never to have it again. And the rest of his commissionership, he didn't. Yeah, but, but not just he, that, Tom. Though he the the growth of the game was unparalleled from when yes. he took over. And the thing about Bud that I appreciate, and you and I both know the man. He was a fan first and a businessman second. Yes. And that yes. that completely flipped now. Completely. You've, yes. got, you've got the attorneys. I mean, listen, our union, when Don Fear and Gene Orza were in charge, we were all lawyered up, right? We had lawyers yes. running the show. They didn't, no, emotion wasn't part of it. And, right. and Bud was on the other side of the table trying to fight for what he thought was best for the game of baseball. Now you got a rever- yeah. reversal. you got Tony Clark trying to fight for what's good, what he thinks is good for the game of baseball. And you got lawyers yeah. on the other side of it. And it's, it's just yeah. a different deal. I, I, I mean, Bud... Uh, does love the game he yeah. still watches yep. yeah he's probably he's probably a subscriber number one to the mlb package he yeah. watches games you know but um but this this was um almost preordained how long yep. have we heard him talking about this lockout yep. um, we heard it all we've heard it for two years yep. um and then how do you lock out and then go six weeks without talking yeah you know how well, no that. deadline. There's no games to be missed. There's no deadline. Football's going on. Hockey's uh, going on. Basketball. Not, they didn't care. Right, right. They just didn't care. And, I, and I've told people, people ask me, um, when do I think this will end? And I said, the history of the game is until it starts hurting people in the wallets, yep. they don't get serious. You know, players don't get paid for spring training, right? That's right? right. You don't get paid, yep. right? Yep. So I, I don't know any player except maybe some starting pitchers who think they who want to be in camp for six, six weeks. weeks. Well, you like to golf too. We get out of the cold weather, yeah. go play golf. But, but I'm just, yeah. but I'm just saying, players' motivation to start camp on time is not very strong. Right, you're, not, you're absolutely right. Um, owner, owners neither. Um, you know, uh, back when you played, Mark, I don't know how much money they made off spring training games, but they make a lot off spring training. Yeah. Well, and, and the, televise, yes, televise the games. Yes, and I think there's another big difference too, and this, this is very, very recent change, is the sports betting industry. The fact that the yes. sports betting industry is funneling yes. all this money. I'm sure they wager on spring training games. I'm sure they have yes. interest in that. That's why I think after the Super Bowl, when the nation's focus changes away from pro football to pro baseball, the, the gaming industry can say, hey, wait a minute, guys. What are you doing here? You're messing with the, with the, with the, yeah. the you know, the gold. But, but, um, but, but I mean, spring training is, 
is I mean, people put so much hope in that. And and how dumb is it that they took themselves out of the out of the headlines of baseball? We've yeah. had no transactions now know. for months. You know, two months. Um, yeah. Answer me this question, Mark. How? Let's say baseball. Let's say spring training starts late. Mm-hmm. Let's say it starts three weeks late, and therefore it starts like in early March. Yeah. Spring training becomes a three-week thing. How in those three weeks, Mark, are they going to settle all the arbitration cases and <laughs> all the remaining free, free agents? agents? Yeah, I know. How I, are they going to do it? I don't know. Because, and there are teams like the Rockies that did zip absolutely nothing prior to the lockout yes. who have a whole bunch of off-season work to do, assuming they want yeah. to do some of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's just not a good situation. Let's let's I wanted to talk to people about the history of this a little bit and how this came about. You mentioned Marvin Miller and people who want to know about that can, can go Google that, but there was some, these were very antagonistic relationships a lot of times between yeah. the, the players union and whoever, whatever owners were. I, I mean, I sat in a lot of meetings with Don fear and it was, it was like a steel workers union meeting. You, you got riled up after t- listening to that guy. And sometimes I, I was surprised by, you know, putting Jerry Reinsdorf on the other side of the table a combative guy like that um, when we're feeling our guys are feeling, you know, the hair stand up on the back of our necks. That's not a, a, a situation that is conducive to getting reaching an agreement. And, and I, I remember specifically one time, and this would have been 1990, not 1994, because I was retired by 94, but Paul, we, we, we talked about this and Paul was good. Paul Mahler was going to go spend some time with Bud Selig. The just the two of them, just the two of them, T- the two main principles here, right? We're going to go sit down and work. And that's when things got done, right? Yeah. That's when things happened. And again, you know, both these men, yeah. you know, both of them really wanted what was best for their side and for the game. And that's how right. it got accomplished. Right. And, and and you could have discourse and not be ugly. Right. You know, you could talk across the table and not be ugly. I heard it got pretty spirited the other day <laughs> between well, the and then the, well, what's the what's the perception there in Mark in Colorado about Monford? Well, that that was where I was headed with this because, yeah. um, you know, I don't know how much you know about Dick. I, I've known Dick for a long time. He's a he's a I consider him a friend. His history, his family history is in the meatpacking business. They dealt with a lot of unions. He had he had ex- experience sitting in that on on that side of the table dealing with unions. But I was worried when I heard he was going to be in a lead role in this for the precise reason you just mentioned that he's not somebody that the guys on the other side of the table are going to look at and, and say, okay, this is the guy who can make a deal. This is the guy that wants to make a deal. And he made the, the terrible decision from what the reports we read of, of coming on there and crying poor and coming out and looking at the players and saying, well, there's only, listen, we know that back in my day, Tom, you and I both know there were teams that weren't making that much money. There were teams hurting financially, Oakland, some of these small market teams were actually hurting. And as players, we knew they were actually hurting. Right. nobody's hurting today. Nobody. Right. They're making a, they're making money before they ever put a, a fanny in a seat. And for Dick to come out and say that, you know, some teams are hurting because of COVID this and that just a really bad approach. Right. Yeah. Especially, you know, out of the shoot, that should right. be your opening, your opening position shouldn't be we're poor, you know? Right. And so when that, it's so that, blatantly false that that's not the case. Right. And, you know, um, I, I, um, I, I see why things are tough now because players, I think, well, what, what, what's the very first thing they teach you to do when you start playing baseball? Keep your eye on the ball. That's right. <laughs> I, yeah. I think 
I think the union took its eye off the ball for a couple of negotiations. Um, yes. Yeah. Forgot what's Fair. really important. And then you know what happened, Mark, the way uh, because of analytics and the data and just the way things have changed, uh, players are valued and evaluated differently than yes. they used to be. Oh, yeah. And so the economics are out of whack now. Yep. You used to, if you were good and you did your six years' time, you usually did quite well in yep. free agency. And maybe twice, maybe two contracts after that. Yeah, yeah what they call two. Doug Melvin, you call right. two bites of the apple. Right. So, no, he always encouraged young guys to sign and give up some free agency or arbitration because he says then you'll get two bites of the apples. Get yeah. it? Yeah. You know, the Brewers did that with Ryan Braun. They signed him for yeah. eight years, forty-five million <clears throat> after his first year, and then while that contract was still in effect, added on five years and a hundred and eight million. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and Doug Melvin says he got two bites out of the apple. You know, yeah. so. And, and I don't know if people realize that all multi-year contracts in baseball are guaranteed. Yes. Are guaranteed oh, yeah. Well, and I think obviously what Albert Pujols, when Albert Pujols signed the big contract at age 30 and his, and analytics could prove that his performance was going down at that point, that right. gave the owners the ammunition they needed to say, listen, this isn't collusion. Right. This is data. We can right. tell you we're not going to give these people con- big contracts after age 30 now because right. the data proves we don't have to and we shouldn't. Right. To which Tony and, Clark and, and his side reply, well, then start paying us earlier. Were you surprised right. that they already dropped that the, the, the band for arbitration before six years or for a free agency before six years? I was surprised by that. Well, well, here's and I've thought about this a lot because really the union's initial bargaining position was we want to change everything. Right. They wanted to change everything. Yeah. Including, including the three, what owners consider the three pillars of baseball, arbitration, free agency, revenue sharing. Yep. Owners consider that, the, and they, they aren't likely to budge mm-hmm. on any of those three things. But, but the union <clears throat> right away asked for changes in all three. And so here's what I wonder if what they're doing, and if it is, it's pretty smart negotiating. I wonder if... They're asking for 10 things and hoping to get four, you know, yeah, maybe because they're asking for, they, they, they're asking to overturn the whole economic mm-hmm. system really um, because they're no longer getting paid at the beginning right. or the end. At the um, end, exactly. Except for, except for the top 1%. Right. Everybody said, well, look at those contracts they gave out, you know, before um, the right. lock. Those are the guys that always get paid. Right. You know right. what? You know, well, the, those guys, the top, guy, the, the top 20 guys always get paid. And I, and, I, and I think it was interesting that I think it was, I can't remember, it was Jason Stark or Tom Verducci. The, I think it was Verducci that pointed out that the baseball minimum salary is lower than it is in hockey, where Don Fierce. Yes, the player, the yes. Union yeah, well, that's the problem. That's yeah. the, uh, uh, the top guys getting their money raises like the medium salary and it makes it look like the group's right. better than it actually is. Right. Uh, percent of the guys aren't getting the you right. know salaries are dragging the median down not up and so I, I get what they want and I believe um the minimum salary in baseball is by far the lowest yeah. by far yeah. the lowest. now I get basketball's only got 12 or 15 guys but still you know and they play half as many games so yeah yeah I mean you know the 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 players have been making five hundred thousand. That might sound like a lot, but not compared to, you know, most sports. And, you know, the, the, the teams hold the hammer for the first three years. Right. 
then the players get the, the hammer back a little bit for three years, and then you get into free agency. Mm-hmm. But free agency's not been what it used no, to be. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think that's probably why the first concession was in that area, don't you think? Since they know that free yes. agency is not what it's going to be, and analytics help them hold down salaries right. at age thirty, right. let's just not let's give it on that one. Let's, like you said, let's see if we can get yeah. a percentage of what we're. But I think I do think they've asked for everything, and then let's see, let's see what you get. Yeah. You know, by giving up something, then you have the right to ask owners yeah. to give up. Something. Yeah, no doubt. Do you see them, the owners, and, and this obviously was a big thing in the '80s, especially. Uh, budging arbitration eligible arbitration eligibility it's at two it's at three years with some exceptions you know the super twos yeah i see i see him i see him budging um not i don't see him giving up that third year completely expanding super two by a little you know um well you you, let's put it this way mark they've got to do one of two things if not both they either have to significantly raise first year salary or let more guys in on arbitration pre three three years. You know what yeah. I mean? Those yeah. guys, you know, they're getting a lot of production from some, oh. some young stud players yes. paying them a lot of money. Right. And I think obviously the owners like to keep it that way, but they, uh, there'll, there'll be some give and you take. Give, you got to get, you know, let's, you know, there's plenty of money to share here. Let's, let's, uh, I, I just wish, I don't know why owners and the union have never figured out that they would do better if they would hold hands and row in the same direction. I, I, I mean, uh, I think they do the worst job. I mean, why is it Mike Trout like, you know, on a commercial every five minutes, you know, I, I get it. Um, I mean, you asked me about, we, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we always say, cause you know, we're in the central time zone and, Old people like me go to bed early. He, Mike Trout's the best player we've never seen. You know, yeah. he's on the West Coast. You know? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you, you mentioned Dick Monfort. You asked about the Rockies fans' perception. I think Rockies fans were mortified, to be fair, when they found out Dick Monfort was going to be part of this negotiations because he is seen as being somebody who's cheap. That's not fair. He's not. Um, yeah. It's not that Dick Monfort hasn't spent money. There was a period of time there in the last few years where he spent or Jeff Bright has spent his money, $256 million on free agents that produced yeah. a negative war. Yeah. So it's not how much they've spent, it's how they've spent the money. But ever yeah. since the ever since COVID, the COVID year, which obviously was unplanned for, nobody's fault, nothing you can do about right. it. Everybody lost right. $100 million. Right. Um, he has gone back in reverse. He's put things in reverse. Uh, the Rockies took a big hit. They don't have a huge TV contract like the Dodgers or the Yankees. They right. can't. You know that you know that circumstance in Milwaukee. Yeah, team I cover the Brewers right. probably have the worst TV. Right. Contract. So I understand he want he wants to recruit. That's why it, he can say all he wants, and they can say all he want about they traded Nolan Arenado because Nolan didn't want to be here. That's a lot of nonsense. Um, if the team was winning, Nolan would have been fine here. Nolan, yes, Nolan wanted to be on a winning team, but he wanted this team, the Rockies, to spend money uh, properly and build a, build on a team that's been to the playoffs two years in a row, and they went in reverse. They started getting rid of DJ LeMayhews and guys like that. And, right. and that, that frustrated them. But the bottom line was they lost $100 million in, two, in 2020. So he couldn't afford Nolan's contract anymore. He can't afford to pay right. one guy $30 million, $35 million anymore. Right. So he trades right. him in St. Louis and, and eats some of the salary in the, in the process, which, I mean, your friend and my friend Dan Evans uh, told me it was the worst, con- worst trade he'd ever seen in, in, his, in yeah. his lifetime in baseball. And he was involved in these negotiations. He's been around forever and right. worst trade he'd ever seen. Um, so that that's why Rockies fans were not thrilled. We're, we're quite the opposite right. when they found out Dick was right. in charge. 
Um, if it's not going to be Dick Monfort sitting in the front, it seems that that's already been pulled back. Yeah. If it's not going to be him, who's going to be the lead negotiator for the, for the owners? Because quite frankly, the players don't trust Rob Manfred as far as they can throw him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good question. I know the Brewers owner, Mark Atanasio, has yeah. been more, more involved in that, in, in the economics of the game. You know, look, look at the Brewers, Mark, to show you that you can compete in a small market with a small payroll. The Brewers are always in the bottom third payrolls. They've been, yeah. they, 120 has been a push for them. They've been closer to 100 than 120. Right. But there's only five teams in the major leagues who have been in the playoffs each of the last four seasons, and the Brewers are one of those five. Teams. And so is Tampa. Yeah, well, they're just yeah. – And then Oakland, I know yeah. they've fretted themselves again, but they, you know, in other words, you can be smart uh, and, yes. and make the right decisions – Tampa's just incredible. Yeah, just incredible. it's it's, it's I miraculous. Mean, I I wish they would get a new ballpark and pack it every night because that they team, deserve it. That team deserves it, you yeah. know. But the Brewers, they they've done you know really good things um, with with lower payrolls and also so so here's the thing that's been remarkable about covering the Brewers for me. And I'm sorry if I digress a little. No, bit please. Here, but, but it kind of fits into what we're talking yes. about. No question. Um, every every year, they're bottom third payroll and top third attendance. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. And so are the Rockies. Rockies are top th- third in attendance every year. Um, they had been in the upper half in payroll until last year. That's but going that just to tells you something about the, that tells you something about those fan bases. Yep. yep. You know? No question. I love coming to Coors Field. How can you not like going to Coors yeah. Field? Yeah, it's and and everybody loves it, and and un, unfortunately, a lot of times it's more visiting fans and home fans at some point. While the team's wow. struggling, but that's you know that's the nature of this part of the country. We're, it's it's a transient part of the country, so that's right. that's acceptable. Um, right. But I think Rockies fans would like to see not not just this thing get settled because everybody wants to see this thing get settled, but right. for Dick to uh, change his I don't know I don't want to say his outlook because that's not going to change, but his at least his public um, push. Just not don't crying poor is not going to get anything done yeah. in this, as you mentioned. And it yeah. doesn't and it doesn't reflect well on the franchise. It doesn't reflect well on him because he's not right. a cheap guy. He spends money when he sees it needs he spent needs right. to spend money. Yes, COVID hurt everybody, he, but you yes. can't keep talking about that because the players got hurt by it too. Well, and and, and general fans have been. Yes, it's it's not like baseball got hurt by COVID and no one else did. Right. Right. You know, it's been terrible. It's been yep. terrible. I, I sure hope, you know, I'm retiring, you know, now right. in a few weeks and um, and the last couple of years, COVID, it's been amazing just that they've played baseball. Yeah, um, true. You, know, you watch what's going on in basketball now and sometimes even football guys can't play and teams don't have their best players. And, you know, and, and it's and it's hard. And but COVID's taken a lick on everybody. And so, um, so to I, use it in the bargaining negotiations is silly, isn't it? No, no, people don't, you know, no one wants to hear, no, right. no one wants to hear that. You know, we all have COVID fatigue. Here's what, here's what fans want, I think, Mark. And, um, I think, you know, I think from talking to fans enough, I sort of know they just want a deal. They don't care about the details. They really right. don't. You're right. They, Joe fan, um, he wants, he wants um, the union representative and the ownership representative to stand at the podium together, say we have a deal, and we're both happy. Don't and, say 
you know, no games are being lost. Is what they yes. want to hear. And, and, and they don't want to even fan, you know, so, so I've been having fans um, email me and say, Tom, I have um, tickets to uh, the first week of spring training. Do you think they're going to play the games? Um, I, I, I think it's 50, 50. Yeah, I would agree. On that. You're better off in the third week of spring training. You probably, well, that's what I've said. I, that's what I've said. Can you push, can you push your trip yeah. back? Yeah. Is what I tell them, yep. you know, come at the end of March. I, um, I don't think they're stupid enough to blow up any regular season games. I don't yeah, think they. Are. I don't either. So we're talking March. You know the way I see it. March first is the drop dead date to start on time on March thirty first. Um, right. Of course, to have a deal and start getting guys in camp. Right. right? right. So um, we saw them do a three week spring training two years ago. In yeah. Cup. Cool. Yep. Um, it does make you worried about pitchers' arms. Um, well, hey, but, starter, starting pitchers only go three innings now anyway, so. No kidding. <laughs> and, and just, you know, if, if if we only have a three-week camp, then you got to give them like 28 players on their yeah. roster yeah. in a couple of weeks, so right? You can bullpen there's every game. Ways, there, there's ways to accommodate all of this. So um, I, I just, you know, it's almost like we, we've been hearing for so long that the spring training is going to start late that it almost looks like they want it to be that way. And I don't yeah. understand that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't, I, I don't know any any reporters or or many club people that have even made their plans to go to spring training yet. Yeah, that's, you're right. You're probably right about that. I mean, listen, have you have you spoken to Bud Selig recently? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what does he think? Have you got his thoughts on what's going on right now? Yeah, I can't really say. Well, just in general terms. I mean, how, is he frustrated? Well, I mean, well he's he 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 is he does not want labor disputes sure nobody yeah nobody wants that but uh, um i i think you know he's always gonna be pro manager because he did it for so long and rob was his guy but he i tell you what he doesn't like mark he doesn't like the game getting beat up um public opinion and he knows that these labor disputes always go well yeah if it links if it goes after much after the super bowl then that's when it's right now i don't think it's on anybody's radar to be honest Everybody's yeah. watching football, but yeah. when that's over after the Super Bowl, and people start to wonder about those plans you're talking about to go to spring training, and then the game starts taking some hits. I if think. you're up here, you know, I think it's probably cold in Denver, but when yeah. you're in Wisconsin, you look forward to the start of spring. Training. <laughs> no doubt. You, no you doubt. Know, even if you don't, even if you don't get to go, just watching yep. the green yep. grass on TV yes. and the cactus and stuff, Absolutely. it makes you feel better. Absolutely you know, right. You know what? Well, one thing: all teams have hope and faith at the start, yeah. right? Right. You know? uh, so and, the, uh, the other question, then, if you talked to Paul Molitor recently, or Robin uh, Young? Well, Paul more yeah. more than Paul. Well, I've I've talked to I talked to both of them after Ted Simmons got in the Hall of Fame. Right. Right. You know, and I've talked to Rob Robbins. <laughs> Right, you know, he, he's, I know he needs a haircut. Tell him, tell him, I said he needs a haircut when you talk to him. That that's well, yeah, sixty-five we, years old. He doesn't need a mullet anymore. I know. Well, at least we know he's not spending his pension on haircuts. Right? There you go. Uh, no, my, my reason I want to know about Paul is because Paul, as I mentioned at the outset, was very integral in these negotiations as the American League player yes. rep. So there, many yes. of us played a, a secondary role as player reps and alternate player reps and all that, but he was yeah. the guy. And I'd really love to get find out what he thinks about what's going on right now. I know. Well, he's probably, you know, those guys that were on, you know, Craig Council, the Brewers manager, was a was all a yeah. big union guy. That's right. So, That's right. 
And so, you know, they once union, you're yes. always going to be union, right? True. And so, I mean, Craig's got to be a little bit more of a middleman now because he's a he's the middle he's manager, managing, right? But he wants his players to uh, be happy and 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 productive. I think they're being paid, you know. So, um, do you see this like, thing? Do you see this thing going more public after? I mean, they like I said before, they've done a great job of keeping this out of the media the discussions, right? There haven't been much report, right. a, a few reports, but it's not no back and forth, no name calling back and forth. Like we're, you and I were used to reading about and you were writing about yeah. back in the day. You, I mean, if it gets close to, to March, that March one deadline you're talking well, about, I, could it get public? I think, yeah. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be huge because like you said, as football comes to an end, yep. uh, we're going to start paying more attention to baseball, but there, people just want to hear that they're talking and making progress. These weeks at a time of nothing going on. I don't, you know, people don't understand that. People don't, you know, people say, well, don't you want to start on time? Don't you want to have, you know, they, they almost make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. We've been here for so long. And, oh, they're not going to be starting next year on time. Well, why not? Why not? I'm There's plenty you. of time to get this done. <clears throat> There really is. And there still is. And they're talking, as you mentioned. And, and I know the core issues, you know, I'm, I'm told that 85 percent of this deal is done. It's just those big issues left to finish. Um, yeah. Things like the universal DH are probably coming uh, yeah. to baseball. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, because one of the things that's distressing to me, and I'm guessing you too, um, is while they're fighting over money the economics we're not making the progress we should be made on stuff that needs to change on the field you know pitch clocks and umpires and yeah. DH and all that stuff you know what all these rule changes and uh, that we you know shifts are you gonna be able to do shifts right that's a good one you know there, there's so much about the game that they need to make better on the field but but I think Manfred even said recently with that all that's been tabled until we get these core economic issues. Mm. Well, it'd be nice to settle them and get back to the game itself and making it better. You know, some of the games have been painful to watch the last couple of years. <laughs> yes. You know, they gotta figure out, you know, the action. <laughs> Out of action right. is so it's so totally much agree. less than it used to be. Yep, totally agree. I, I don't. I don't. People say they want more offense. They don't want more offense. Just want more action, as you said. I, I mean, it's just uh, a better pace. One right. thing I know, you, know, you said, what do Robin and and what do uh, Molitor and Yao think about uh, labor? I'll tell you one thing: they think about striking out his back. Yeah. He's striking out his yeah. back. Ask, yeah, ask, I, I know. I know. Ask Paul Malter. Paul, did you think it was okay to strike out? No. I don't have to ask him. I was there. I know. They didn't <laughs> you know, like but, that. But, I mean, but, but now it's like nobody gives a darn if somebody. Yeah, you guys would have been much nicer to Rob Deere in this day and age than you were back then with all the strikeouts. Oh, right? Rob Deere <laughs> was born 20 years too soon. He That's right. He's perfect game. for today's game. You're absolutely right. Three true outcomes, right? Three That's true right. outcomes. That's right. Hey, Tom, so, I really, I really appreciate your time. I know you got to run, and I appreciate you taking some time. Congratulations on your retirement. I'm, I'm glad you're going to stay involved with the Hall of Fame voting and that sort of thing. That's, that's cool yeah. to stay involved. And yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I think you got a book in your future at some point. But, uh, and yeah. I will tell you this. I'll make a shameless plug here. Don August and I have finished a book. He about his. I, I think I might have told you this already. He yes. is eight years after the Brewers, eight years in, yes. in Italy and Taiwan yeah. and places like that. So yeah. when we get that done, I'm going to hit you up to to maybe give that a read and some 
and some plugs. Well, I'll definitely endorse it. I love Augie. You know, Augie's got some good stories. He's a good. He's a great storyteller. He's not much. And he still is right here. He he stayed in Cheeseville. He lives right here in Cheeseville. He promised he wouldn't. Promised he'd never take ever take me out of SoCal. He said, but no, that didn't happen. But he, uh, you know, I I talk to him obviously frequently, and I know um, he's frustrated too. We all are, but. I'm looking forward to getting that book out and um, I'm looking forward to reading what you're going to have to say down the road. Cause I know you're not going to be done writing after March 1st, maybe for a while. Thanks, it's a, once it's, a writer, always know, a writer. Well, as you know, from being a player and now staying in the game through broadcasting and stuff, it's a privilege and an honor to, to, to be associated with major league baseball. You know, we, we got all the labor stuff and that, that stuff, but the, but it's just the, it's the greatest thing, the greatest players in the world. It's been my privilege to watch them. You gonna ride your Harley back to Virginia when you move back to Virginia? Uh, that Harley got sold a long time. Really? Ago. Yeah, I had a little. Leg all the jackets injury. and all that stuff is all. You still got yeah, all the booties? Yeah, yeah. Well, my wife and I we're downsizing now as we get ready yep. to retire, move back to Virginia. You know, as you make moves, you become less and less attached to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that. That is very true. Hey, Tom, we appreciate it. I'm sorry. We're not, I'm going to go down to spring training, take my high school team down there for a week, but I'm sorry we'll miss you in, in March, but we'll catch yeah. you down the road. I'm sure you'll be back. Maybe come to Coors Field yeah. and visit. Yeah, well, safe travels, man. Good talking. Uh, good talking to you. Tom Hardercourt, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, fine writer. 36 years. Tip of the hat to you, Tom. You did a great job. Thanks. Take care. Take care. We'll be back. Wrap things up right after this on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, Look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. That'll put the wraps on this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Many thanks to veteran baseball writer Tom Hardrecord of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for being our guest, and we wish him well in his upcoming retirement. Hopefully Tom and his colleagues will get to write about baseball games again before he hangs it up a month from now. We'll talk more Rockies history on next week's episode, so be sure to join us, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.